Okay, good morning, Boker Tov. Want to thank our generous sponsors for the uh, series of Living with Muna for the Year, Dr. Zavi and Bella Morgan, in memory of Rabbi Dr. Brian Gabbett, Baruch Tzvi Ben Ruvain Nasson. Also, our class this morning is sponsored in particular by Dr. Jack and Ann Mermelstein, in memory of Ann's father, Paul Erlich, Pinchas Ben Yitzchak, in commemoration of his Yeretzite, Sneshama Shalav and Aliyah, through our learning and our growth and work on Emuna. As I see Baruch Hashem, um, our crowd is growing. We welcome everyone. It's wonderful and fantastic and great to have you. The seat's up here if you can't hear. Feel free to move forward. Uh, but uh, I want to remind everyone, we have started again our Friends of BRS campaign, that if you are not a member of BRS, but you are benefiting, enjoying, participating in the many classes and programs we offer, please do your part. There's lights on, there's air conditioning, my salary's paid, and you even got a free cup of coffee. And none of that happens on its own. Join Friends of BRS for a, a relatively nominal amount and do your part. It's greatly appreciated. Okay, back to Amuna. We are learning that a righteous person lives through Amuna. That if we don't have Amuna, if we think it's all up to us, if we think we're on our own, if we think we are responsible for our destiny and our lives, if we think that we can have pride in our success, then we are really dead even while we are alive. And if we live with a sense of Amuna, faith, we have an acute awareness of Hashem, a mindfulness, a consciousness, we see Him in our lives, then we're truly alive. Rav Chaim Vital told us, person, people are made up of four elements, earth, fire, wind, and water. And when we are uh, having a character trait, a mida, which is out of whack, which is imbalanced, really it's a reflection of a virus in the system with one of those elements. It is expressing itself like a rash on one part of the body. If you put cream and heal the rash, you haven't necessarily healed the virus, the rash will just come out in another part. So we've been trying to get to the virus and not just treat the rash. And we're up to the fourth yesod. We went through fire and we went through wind and we went through water. We're up to offer earth. And earth, we said inside us, if there's an imbalance, if there's a dysfunction, if there's a, a virus, when it comes to the quality of the element of earth within us, it expresses itself in laziness, indolence, in sadness, in depression, in pessimism, and in hopelessness. person who's living life saying, what's the point? It's not going to get better. It can't get better. It never does get better. So a person walks around fabissana and miserable and looking down. Everything is negative and toxic and pessimistic and complaints. And they have not the reason why everything can work out, but the reason it won't work out. And not they're seeing everything that's right, but they see everything that's wrong. That is a rash that really is reflective of a virus, a corruption on the Amida, uh, on this Yisod, on this uh, foundation, this quality, the element of Afar within, within a person. So we've been talking about that the way to heal all of these viruses is Amuna. Amuna. Amuna is the great therapy. It doesn't take the place of therapy. A person needs therapy. I endorse and support therapy. It doesn't take the place of chemical medication. A person who needs the help of, uh, of uh, pharmaceuticals, then it's important if it's prescribed and diagnosed. It doesn't take the place. I always give that disclaimer. I think rabbis or any uh, educators or speakers who talk about amuna as if it's this elixir that can solve problems and you don't need to go to a doctor, you don't need to take medicine, you need to get therapy, is grossly, grossly irresponsible. Just like if a person has diabetes, amuna is not going to balance their sugars. And if a person has a heart problem, amuna is not going to unclog their artery. So too, if a person has an emotional, psychological, mental struggle, Amun is not going to heal it. It certainly will contribute to the healing, but it will not on its own heal. 
we have to act responsibly and take care of it. But I'm talking about someone with a, not non, an undiagnosed challenge, just the threshold or level that we all have of anxiety and fear and worry and arrogance and anger and impatience and all these things. In those areas, their amuna is the most incredible solution. It is the most incredible therapy. The more consciousness and mindfulness and presence and awareness, the more we feel Hashem's love, His support, the more we look for His guidance, the more we turn to Him for help, the more appreciative and grateful we have are in the attitude of gratitude that we wake up with and carry throughout our day, the more humbled, the more centered, the more anchored we will be, the more patient, the more kind, the, more, the less arrogant, the less impatient, and so on. We're on page Pehei, the middle of the page. Yeshkan Nekuda Nosefes. There's an additional point, says uh, Ravolbi, and that is that this quality of Zrizus, Zrizus that Zrizus is not just the antidote or the opposite of laziness, but rather it has a virtue or a merit on its own. You know what, because we have Baruch Hashem, this nice crowd. Maybe you'll hear me better. Oh. Okay. All right, everybody relax, I get it. Okay. So it says Revolba the following. Zrizus, which really um, complements, we do the 10 minutes of meaning right before this class every Wednesday. It's on Facebook Live, or you could listen to it on uh, several websites. And we're learning Mesila Sasharim. This morning we wrapped up the ninth chapter, which is the chapter, thank you for your sponsorship, of... Zrizus, of alacrity and zeal and enthusiasm and dynamism and passion. You can wake up in the morning and say, ugh, can't believe it's another day. And you hit, you hit 17 snooze buttons and you protest having to wake up with everything that you've got until you can't delay it any longer and you never fall out of your bed and slowly and lethargically make your way to start your day. And that attitude and that speed and movement to get your day started does not promise for a most successful and uh, accomplished day. Or you could jump out of bed like a lion to greet the day, which is the first sif in Shulchan Aruch. The code of Jewish law starts with not how to keep kosher, how to keep Shabbos, and not Lashonara, and not honesty in business. Hiskaber ka'ari lamod laboger. Jump out of bed like a lion. Jump out of bed like a lion to greet the day. And I have to tell you, if you had eight, nine hours of sleep, so that's an easy halacha to keep. Sometimes, I happen to have slept for uh, three hours last night, it's a lot harder when that alarm goes off. So I am that person, I have like a whole system of clocks, alarms set up, and a whole system. Fine, some days it's a little bit harder to jump out of bed. So Zrizus, that midah, that quality, which you could listen to the last uh, several of the 10 minute talks about Zrizus, this notion of living with alacrity, it doesn't mean recklessly. It doesn't mean irresponsibly. It doesn't mean fearlessly. Because if you wake up and you grip it and rip it in life and you just go charge your day, but you've not thought strategically and you don't have a level of mindfulness and cautiousness and awareness, then you're going to fall right off a cliff. Then you're going to fall and fail right on your face. You've got to wake up with that dynamism and passion and zeal and alacrity and energy, but with a plan. A well-thought-out, well-crafted plan. And the Ramchal reminded us you have to do it also with an acute awareness of identifying the obstacles, the impediments, the temptations, the distractions that likely will knock you off course or try so that you have a plan how you're going to navigate around them. What's going to happen when you hit that wall? How are you going to run over it or around it or if necessary run through it? What's going to happen when that voice of self-sabotage kicks in and says don't bother, give up, 
So Zerizus has to, before Zerizus comes Zahirus. First you have caution and mindfulness and strategic thinking and being present in all you do. And once we've created a habit to be present in everything we do, to be thoughtful in every speech, action, and behavior, then now Zerizus, now you can unleash that zeal and that enthusiasm. So back to our study, back to Revolba. Zerizus, the notion of having passion and zeal and energy, this is not just the opposite of laziness. It's not just, well, I can either move slowly or I can move quickly, and the Torah is endorsing moving quickly instead of slowly. This is not a function of the speed in which you're traveling. Zerizus is not about going quickly. There are people who have a walker. There are people who are in a wheelchair. There are people who shuffle along, who live with extraordinary Zerizus. Zerizus is not about how fast you get from point A to point B. Zerizus is about the mentality and the attitude and the way you greet the day, your level of productivity and efficiency, your excitement and your passion for what you're doing. It's not a function of the speed which you move. So it's not the opposite of laziness. It's not the opposite of moving slowly. It's about crafting and cultivating within us a certain sense of drive, a sense of ambition, a sense of excitement, a sense of pursuit. Kosev Ramchal, and now he's quoting the Ramchal in Mesil Sisharim. Zrizus is the quality, it's a mida of Shlemas Gedola, of completion, of wholeness, of being full. Because the nature of a person is to try to not have it. In other words, inertia kicks in. The default of the person, there's very rare people who jump out of bed, who are so excited to start the day. Baruch Hashem, I have seven kids, six of whom are impossible to wake, and one, and I always tell her every day, she's the best to go to sleep, and she's the best to, you knock on her door, and you say, to me, it's time to wake up, she's already out of bed getting dressed. Literally, before you finish saying her name, she jumps out. That's very rare. In our case, one out of seven, whatever the numbers are. If you include the parents, one out of nine. It's very rare. Start to include a son-in-law, a grandchild, it's one out of just, you know, odds go even further down. It's very, very rare. The nature of a person, the default in the person is the inertia kicks in. When you're sitting on the couch, you don't want to get up from it. When you're sleeping in bed, you don't want to wake up. When you're still, you don't want to be an object at rest, will remain at rest. Isn't that one of the laws of thermodynamics or physics? So we are objects at rest. The default is to be at rest until we can get ourselves going. The default is to be at rest until there's a motor, there's an engine that kicks in inside us with inspiration and with vigor. And again, Ravob is quoting the Ramchal and he says, whatever it takes to get yourself going, whatever is necessary, to get that energy level up, to kick in, to get started, you will be rewarded many fold. The benefit, the profit, the fruit of whatever it took is well worth it. The return is exponentially greater than when you gave up in the process. A little more sleep you could have had, but the joy and the satisfaction and the pride and the reward of what you did when you were able to get up and go. So yeah, the default, our nature is to remain at rest and to be still. But if we can find that drive inside ourselves, how many people, all the productivity gurus talk about, but how many of us succeed in really waking up with an agenda for that day? I don't mean a to-do list, and I don't mean that your email inbox, you let other people fashion your to-do list. I mean wake up and say, okay, here's my, here are my goals for the day. 
here's how I will define a successful day-to-day. And they have actual action items. They could be professional action items about meetings or about profit or about a new campaign or about returning emails or phone calls. They could be personal action items about spending time with people you care about. They could be spiritual action items about I'm really going to get lost in prayer or his bodhidus. I'm going to meditate and reflect today. I'm going to come up with a gratitude journal today. It could be exercise or health or wellness goals. But to wake up in the morning already with a clear agenda. In fact, the productivity gurus will tell you that if you wake up in the morning to do it, you're already too late. You can't go to sleep the night before without knowing what you (coughs) want to accomplish the next day. And there are all kinds of planners, bless you, and there's all kinds of um, apps, and there's all kinds of uh, platforms to help us track it and maintain it and plan it. Most of them are actually just a distraction from doing it. The old-fashioned pen and paper, the old-fashioned pad. I walk around with these little cards in my pocket, and I'm constantly writing things on them, usually during davening, which is when I have my best thoughts, and I'll interrupt davening to write it down on a piece of paper because our heads are made for having ideas, not storing them. And if you're trying to store a million ideas, there's no room left to be having more ideas, and you'll never be present with whoever, whomever you're supposed to be present in that moment. So whether it's by your night table having the pen and paper, or whether it's in the shower having a waterproof pen and paper, or whether it is during davening, not, being, not opening a sitter if you don't have a little pen and paper for when that thought will pop into your head, because those are the times you have your best thoughts. Notice. Why, by the way, do you have your best thoughts then? When you're trying to fall asleep, when you're in the shower, when you're davening. Why do you have your best thoughts then? Because you're disconnected from technology. You know why? Because you're experiencing something called you're alone. And the only time that you have breakthrough is when you're alone. It's this week's parsha. I don't want to belabor it because I'm already on like the third detour. So I have to find my way back to the highway. But I don't want to belabor it. But this week's parsha is Yaakov goes back to retrieve the small jugs and he interacts with the Sarah Shal Esav, but we understand to be his own alter ego. And he wrestles. Yaakov wrestles with the angel the whole night. And Yaakov triumphs. He perseveres. He walks away, but he limps away. He's injured from the experience. But he greets the dawn of a new day, and he says, give me a blessing. And I believe what the text is telling us is that Yaakov says, I've wrestled. But what's the blessing I could take out from that experience of wrestling? How have I grown from the experience through that struggle? Every struggle has a lesson. Every struggle is a growth point and a growth opportunity. Sometimes we focus on the struggle, and I wouldn't blame anyone for doing it, but we wallow in the struggle and its pain and its grief and its disappointment and its, and its um, denial. But if we don't wallow in the struggle and instead, like Yaakov, we ask, we say, give me a blessing. The dawn of the new day, the sun has risen again. Give me a blessing. Is how we, can we take that struggle and how can we extract the blessing, the springboard for growth that comes from it. So what enabled Yaakov to wrestle the whole night? Yaakov, Levado. He didn't have his cell phone with him. Yaakov left his, he left his smartphone. He was very religious. He probably didn't have a smartphone. He had a flip phone. But he left his filtered phone back at the camp. And then he went to go retrieve these things, and he was literally livado. And we are so uncomfortable. I don't want to believe this now. I'm actually speaking in L.A. this weekend about this uh, subject, but about mindfulness and, and meaning and the ability to be alone. Growth only happens, breakthrough only happens when we're alone. When you're falling asleep, all you have are your thoughts. You're alone. People aren't even alone anymore when they walk into an elevator. Those 30 seconds they have to wait at a red light. You've got to check your phone. We have this inability, this allergy to being alone. And therefore, we're stifled in our own growth, in our own breakthrough, in our own thought process, in our own dreams and aspirations. 
Yaakov, that struggle and breakthrough only happen when we are alone. So when you're in the shower, or when you're falling asleep, or when you're davening, you are alone. You're not. There's no noise. There's no technology. There's no other people. So it's not a coincidence that that's exactly when we have all of our best thoughts. That's when our creativity kicks in. Creativity doesn't kick in when there's noise. Creativity doesn't kick in when there's feedback and tension and static and activity and chaos. Creativity kicks in when there is aloneness. Vayavasar Yaakov Livado. So, get me back to the highway, people. Oh, Zrizus. So, right, that's it. So if we have the presence and the mindfulness um, to live with Zrizus, that's it. The night before, when we go to sleep, to come up with our agenda for the next day. What will my best day look like tomorrow? How will I define it? How for me to go to sleep tomorrow night feeling proud of the day I had, feeling accomplished, feeling that I lived the best version of me, what does it have to include? What would it include, the best day, my best day? Personally, professionally, spiritually, emotionally, what would it include? And now how am I going to do it? How do I make it happen? Most of us are just living life. Just momentum is carrying us. We, don't, we have motion sickness, not even momentum. Instead of being able to identify what does my death day look like, how do I plan for it, how do I anticipate the things that will challenge me from accomplishing it, what's my strategy to nav- navigate those things which are going to try to cause me to fail, and how can I achieve that's Zrizus. So Ravoba is noting this Ramchal and he's wondering, why do I need to be told or promised that if I can live life with alacrity and zeal in this world, if I can get out of being stuck, if I can get myself into motion instead of being still, then I will be rewarded in the world to come. World to come? World to come, there's no free will, there's no choice, there's no alacrity. You don't move quickly, you don't move slowly, you don't move in the world to come. So says Ravoba, in order to understand this answer, we have to develop further this quality, this character trait called alacrity and zeal. When we talk about living with zeal and alacrity, it's not just that it is a strategy to achieve other things. It's not just a means towards an end. It's an end unto itself. It is a value and a virtue that's worth achieving in its own right. This is in contrast, I'll give you an example. The author of Kelm says, in a beautiful essay that Revolba has actually in Ali Shore about Seder, living with organization and order. Any yekas here? Listen carefully, you'll feel... <laughs> this will speak to you. <coughs> living with enormous punctuality and order and organization is, is a... Is, a very Jewish quality. It's a, it's a midah, which is a Torah midah. It's a midah, which is a Torah midah. So the question, though, is, is an obsession with order and organization and punctuality, is that a means or is that an ends? Is that a value in its own right, or is it only a value in as much as it helps you accomplish other values? So the author of Kelm gives the following great mashal. He says, pearl necklace. You have a beautiful pearl necklace, the magnificent pearls strung together in a beautiful pearl necklace. The least valuable part of a pearl necklace is the string. The string is negligible value. It costs nothing, it has no value at all, no resale value, the string is nothing. And yet, it's the most important part of the necklace. Because if you don't have the string, if the string snaps, 
you don't have pearls or a pearl necklace. And it's an amazing muscle, which helps us appreciate and understand that living with order and punctuality is not in its own right the value or virtue. It's not a goal in itself. It's negligible, its value. What's its value? That without it, you can't accomplish anything else. So you want to manage your time, you want to manage your money, you want discipline in life, and discipline equals freedom, then you need to manage, you need the pearl, you need the necklace. If you want the pearls, which are financial freedom and free time and relationships and presence of mind, and if we want all the pearls of life, then the string, even though it is worthless relative, but it's so important. And I would say here we're saying the exact opposite. It's not that zerizus, it's not that living with alacrity and zeal and drive and passion and dynamism are just the necklace, the string. They are one of the pearls. Living with zerizus is one of the pearls. It is one of the values that we have. About the carbon Pesach, we're told it has to be eaten with alacrity. We're told that the Almighty Himself, He took us out of Egypt. He redeemed us, He emancipated us, He liberated us with speed, with alacrity, with energy. Why? Because the Kaddish Baruch was overcoming his inclination for laziness? The Almighty God, there's some benefit if he does things faster? Of course not. There's nothing that stands in God's way. God doesn't need to overcome procrastination or indolence. That's the default of Hashem. We are, we are um, not in motion until we're in motion. We are still until we're in motion. That's our default. God's default is to be in motion. He's always in motion because he's always doing and achieving and building and creating and supervising and interacting and loving and caring and supporting. He's always in motion. So in other words, Zerizah's living life with this quality is in itself emulating God. It's imitating God. It's expressing the godliness in us. So when someone says, or when your own alter ego says to you, why should I get up off the couch? I'm really enjoying, I'm up to season 70,000, uh, episode 20,000, and I'm about to make a siyam hajjan aloch, siyam ashas is nothing compared to my, uh, my watching skills and how much I've binged. And why should I get up off the couch? Why? Why? It's all well and good. I have enough money to pay the bills and... Nobody around me feels neglected. And why should I get up off the couch? Why should I jump out of bed? Why should I be not lazy and achieve and accomplish? And the answer is because you have a godly soul inside you. And it is entirely unrealized and unfulfilled. Not only you're stealing from God for the talents and gifts and the opportunities he's given you, and you're stealing from him from failing to take advantage of them. To be at motion should be our default except for when we have to be still. We have to not be at motion when we sleep. We're not in motion when we sit and eat, and even then you can eat in a way where you're at motion in a productive way. So it's expressing the godliness in us. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Hashem living with Zerizos, is not because God is struggling with laziness, so he's working on Zerizos. No, God's default is Zerizos because it is godliness. Being a Zariz, living with enthusiasm and energy and drive and passion, 
is godliness, and we show that godliness in us. It's not just that. You know why you should live with Zrizus? Because you'll get more things done. Because you'll be able to count more productivity. Because you'll get more things done. That's not the reason to do it in that way. We don't do it in that way because we'll get more things done. We do it in that way because doing that in that way is the way we're meant to be. It is the best version of us. When we were redeemed, God said, you know what your redemption is? What were we redeemed from? Slavery, servitude. A slave and a, and a slave has no um, ability to control their own time. They have no ability to set their own agenda. They have no ability to make their own priorities. They have no idea, no ability to pursue their own drive. The whole notion of being enslaved is having to answer to someone else. Having a master who controls your time and controls your priorities and even manages and controls your energy. Kodesh Baruch Hu redeemed us. And in the way He redeemed us, He said, I am redeeming you, and you know what redemption looks like? You now control your own time. That's why the Sforno writes, we were given the first mitzvah, first mitzvah in the Torah when we left Egypt. The very first mitzvah we got was? Rosh Chodesh. Chodesh Why? Because the biggest difference between a slave and a free person is the ability to control your own time. So when you're late all the time, and when you... Your time is controlled and manipulated by others. You are, in fact, not a free person. But when you can manage your time with order and discipline, when you can regulate your own time and your own time and you practice punctuality, that's godliness. That's freedom. That's freedom. You will lose out on the bounty that's waiting for us. We're losing out on the fulfillment, the satisfaction. We're losing out on realizing the best version of ourselves. You may get a lot done. So you'll say, you know, if I live with Zerizus, I can hit a 10 out of 10. Without Zerizus, I get to an 8. An 8's a whole lot better than a 7, a 6, a 5. So an 8's not bad. So what do I need the Zerizus for? So you're right. If Zerizus were only about measuring how much you get done, then maybe you can get a lot done without Zerizus and you think you don't need to live with it. But Zerizus, energy, alacrity are not just about how much you get done. They're about the way with which you did it. The way with which you did it. It's not just about the result, it's about the process. And the process includes godliness, emulating and imitating God. The Medrash says, the actions of the righteous are done quickly. Again, not quickly. You could be a walker and be a righteous person. You could have a wheelchair and be a righteous person. You could shuffle your feet slowly and be a righteous person. But it means, b'mihiris means with an attitude. That's what Chazal learned when it says, safeguard, keep the mitzvos. Our rabbis learn, don't read it, they read it, safeguard and keep the matzah. The only difference between chametz and matzah is the ingredients are exactly the same. The only difference is time. And so Chazal say, mitzvah al You know, if your friend asks you to do something and you get to it, but it took you to get to it, you turn that mitzvah into chametz. If your spouse asks you to be responsive or to do something and you got to it, but in your time, then you turn that act of love into chametz. 
And if Hashem says, I want you to jump out of bed and we got big plans together. I got big plans for you today. We have a lot to accomplish. And you're the only one on my earth who could do it. There's billions of people, but Adam Nivra Yechidi, every one of us is unique and distinct. And each one of us has a mission to achieve here on earth. So get out of bed. We got stuff to do. We got big plans today. We have mission to accomplish. And you say, uh, I'll get to it. Snooze, snooze, snooze. And even when you get to it later, but you've turned your relationship with Hashem into chametz. So if we want our actions and behaviors to be cloaked in godliness, if we want them to be not just mundane acts, but we want them to be actual spiritually endowed acts, it's all about the attitude that we bring to them. So if you get to it, and if you move slowly to do it, and if you do it reluctantly and hesitantly, then yeah, you got it done. You could put a check in the column that you got it done. But when you do it with a sense of zrizus, with alacrity and zeal and with enthusiasm and with passion, then you've injected it with spirituality. You've injected it with shechina. You've injected it with a sense of holiness. Every mitzvah is an opportunity and an invitation to make contact with the divine. Every mitzvah is an opportunity to experience something much bigger than ourselves. Every mitzvah is an opportunity to make contact with the divine. It's all the attitude we bring to the way we do it. When we stop in the middle, when we get lazy, when we take a break, when we're distracted, Hashem says, hello, you're in the middle of talking to someone and then you see they're on their phone. So you just check out. You check out. You hang up or you walk away. So Kaddish Baruch Hu says, hi, we're, we're in the middle of a moment. We're having a moment together. A deep, what a DMC, what my kids call it DMC. We were in the middle of a DMC. You know what a DMC is? Yeah. A deep, meaningful conversation. <laughs> Abba, I need to have a DMC with you. A DMC. There's a whole new dictionary that's come out. You want to learn the lingo. You have to learn the word flex. And you have to learn T4. And you have to learn a DMC. It's a whole glossary, not for now. So, but if you want to seem really cool with your children or grandchildren, just... Just use the word, even out of context. Say flex or call your grandchild and say, look, it's been a long time since we've had a DMC. You'll, that's the biggest Hanukkah present you could give them this year. Just tell them you want to have a DMC with them. So, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the Almighty says, we're in the middle of a DMC. We're in the middle of a deep, meaningful conversation. And you just took that call and you're answering that text and you're distracted. You know what? You checked out. I'm out of here. So you know what happens? Now when you restart the conversation, you have to take it from back from the beginning. You have to start from the top. You've lost the flow and the momentum that existed in the conversation. Now we understand why for the Ramchal, Zrizas is a midah of Shlemus. You want to be a Shalim person, a complete person, a whole person, on the path to perfection person, then you need to acquire and grow and try to master this quality. You also understand why we're talking about it in the context of Amuna. You want to feel God in your life? It's the attitude that you bring to what you do. It's not just a checklist of getting done what we need to do, but it's how we do it. And it's the attitude we bring to what we do. Because having the right attitude towards what we do 
will make us feel that we had contact with the divine, that we touched something so much bigger than ourselves. It makes us feel on fire and accomplished. It makes us feel worthy and consequential. It makes us feel that we make a difference and that we matter. It makes us nourish and, and feed and expand the Tzalem Elohim inside us. So we have a guf and a neshama, and we're good at taking care of our guf. But the way to give a neshama to the things that the guf is doing is the attitude we bring towards it to do it with Jesus. So now we know why emuna helps us. The more that we feel I'm in the presence of God, He's in my life, I'm in the middle of a real relationship. Relationships are time, and intimacy, and affection, and communication, and all the building blocks of every other relationship in our life apply to our relationship with Hashem. They are the foundation and building blocks. You think you're going to have a positive relationship with Hashem when you don't invest time with Him? What kind of relationship are you going to have if you don't ever have date night with Hashem? If you don't communicate and confide in Him? If you're not listening when He's talking to you? If, he's not, if you're not listening when He's talking to you, the Rambam calls that midas achzarius. It's an act of cruelty. Kaddish Baruch is talking to us all the time. The question is, are we listening? My brother-in-law, Joseph Hellerstein, said at my Sheva Brachas a few years ago, the following pshat. He said a beautiful insight into the Rambam. The Rambam says the reason that we fast on Jewish fast days is in order to elevate ourselves from the physical trappings of the world to focus on what's important. And what's important? That a person should not go through life saying that the world and life is mikra. Mikra. Mikra means happenstance. It's chance. That I am just the product of randomness. Chance and happenstance. Lashem mikra. In telchemimi bekeri, Hashem says, if you walk with me bekeri, keri means chance, then I'll walk with you bekeri then I'll walk with you with chance and happenstance, meaning I won't watch over you and I won't protect you and you will be exposed to and you will be vulnerable to the elements. So then the Rambam quotes this and he says, on a fast day, this is what we should think about. The Rambam says, because if you bring that attitude to God, that everything that he does and in every way he interacts with us, it's just mikra, it's just chance, says the Rambam, it's midas achzaris, it's cruelty. Cruelty? What kind of act of cruelty? Maybe it's wrong. Maybe it's lacking merit. Maybe it's, but why is it cruel? So he suggested the following. If someone's calling you and you hear them, but you choose to ignore them, it's cruel. You ever have that? Someone's in the house, you're calling one of your children, somebody, you're calling their name and you know they hear you. They're in earshot. They can hear you. But they're so distracted by what they're doing or they're simply ignoring you. And for the person who's on the other end, for the victim of the being ignored, it feels literally like an act of cruelty. So that's what the Rambam is saying. God is talking to us every day in our lives. Every day in the things that happen. We talked about our Hashgacha Pratis journal, which Baruch Hashem is still very much alive. A WhatsApp group I hope everyone else has started. Hashem is talking to us each and every day, but are we listening in those little moments that feel like chance or randomness or coincidence? So I'm flying later this week, and two days ago, I was looking for something in my briefcase, and I couldn't find it. And I had no time, but it caused me to dig deep on the bottom of my briefcase to look for the thing that I couldn't find, so frustrated and annoyed I was looking for it. And you know what I found at the bottom of my briefcase? A really sharp knife. Because a few weeks ago, I had gone somewhere, and I grabbed an apple and a sharp knife, because where I went, I wanted to cut myself an apple. And I forgot the knife in my briefcase, and I had not lost the thing that I was looking for that caused me to search the bottom of my briefcase. I would have been a TSA tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. 
having to answer some questions about why I had a really sharp knife in the briefcase I put through the x-ray machine. So you could in that moment either still be annoyed that you had to look for the item, or not annoyed you looked for the item, but you say, oh, I, what a coincidence, I found the knife. Or you could stop and say, I hear you, Hashem, I hear you. Loud and clear, coming through loud and clear. I hear you and you're coming through loud and clear. That's living with Amuna. When you're living with Amuna, when the Amasamunas are strong, when we have that sense of mindfulness, then we're living life every day looking. By the way, one of the byproducts of having a Hashgacha Pratis WhatsApp group with your family or whoever else you want, I'll join you. But the byproduct of it is it causes you every day to look for something that you could put on your group. Yeah. So you're living life in high definition. Not only is it not in black and white, it's not even in color. You're living in high definition because your whole day is looking for those moments. Hashem, I have a very listening ear. I'm listening carefully. And when you'll speak to me, I'm going to hear it loud and clear. When you'll speak to me, it's going to come through, and I'm going to hear it loud and clear. So the more we live with Amuna, the more that we are listening for him to come through loud and clear, it will impact the way we live our lives. Amuna is the antidote to laziness and procrastination and indolence. Because without God, why go quickly? As long as I can accomplish the results I want, who cares the speed with which I moved? But if I'm living with Hashem, if He's present in my life, if I understand, I crave his attention and I crave his time and I understand that the way to make contact with him and to feel him in my life is the attitude I bring to what I do, it will absolutely change the way of what I do. Last night there was a beautiful concert Torah Academy put on here in town. One of the great singers, Joey Newcomb, whose mom is here this morning. So I told him after the uh, concert, he recently released a, a great song, the Berditch of Ernigan, which is not his. It's a holy, holy tune, the Berditch of Ernigan. But he put words to it. When you fall down, get back up. Sheva Very beautiful, very stirring, very uplifting. So I told him I wanted him to know that I have a, a friend who had a bad day, who had been tracking every day on one of the habit apps, a positive behavior that he had been tracking for many months, positive, and he fell off the wagon. The commitment that he had made to track that positive behavior, he was set back. And he had to turn back the, the clock and the counter to zero. And he was feeling a little bit down about it. But that very day is when Joey's new song came out and the video, and he saw it and it turned him around. It lifted him up. When you fall down, you get back up. So that story in itself is amazing. So I told it to Joey last night. So he said to me, now I know why the release was delayed. He said, I was frustrated, I wanted to get it out. And I didn't understand Hashem's plan. When is it going to come out? But Hashem had to have it come out the day it needed to come out for the right person it needed to come out. So that's living with Amuna. Is you say, you know, when I'm frustrated, why isn't it coming out? When I'm frustrated, why isn't the thing I'm waiting for happening? You could wallow in the frustration and use the frustration as a cop-out from your relationship with Hashem. Or you could say, Kodesh Baruch I'm listening. I'm listening very carefully and I can't wait to find out why this is taking longer than I want it to take. Maybe we'll hear it in our lifetime. Maybe we won't. But I know one thing, if we're not listening, we won't ever hear it at all. You have to be listening. You have to be listening. The more we feel Hashem and live with Him, there'll be no barrier, there'll be no break from Him. You want to make contact with the Divine, you want to feel connected and close to Hashem, you want to express and reinforce and promote and project the godliness in you, then bring an attitude of alacrity and zeal and enthusiasm in everything we do. Have a great week.